Welcome to Torah Today Ministries, our continuing series, Tehillim Talks, our studies in the Psalms. And today we find ourselves in Psalm 39. Now, if you recall from Psalm 38, these four Psalms, 38, 39, 40, and 41, go together as a unit, a quartet, if you will. And these four Psalms together are often referred to as David's Job moment because his experiences were much like Job's were. In fact, you actually find him quoting Job in some places in this psalm. And there are some words that he uses here that we find predominantly, or if only, in the book of Job. So uh, I, I think we all will have or have had a Job moment where we are in pain, we're confused, we don't know why we're going through this, and there doesn't seem any way out, and God is silent. And that's exactly where David finds himself in this Psalm 39. Now, back in Psalm 38, we listed 10 miserable experiences David was going through. He was experiencing loneliness and depression and illness and pain and betrayal, and you just go on and on and on. And he had all these things. He's just expressing all this stuff he's going through. And when you get to the end of the psalm, God is silent. And now here in Psalm 39, David takes a different tact. And at the end of the psalm, spoiler alert, God is still silent. Why is it that God ordains silence? in those times when we feel like we need to hear from him more than ever. Well, there's a hint given in one of the Hebrew words. We'll get to it in a moment. But I do know that we will go through times where God seems to not even exist. And he allows us to go through these because it's part of a test. It's part of stretching us. And it's also part of teaching us appreciation for our God, who is always so close. And, um, and I have found that he's actually the closest in those times. I think he's the furthest away. So, without further ado, let's just get right into our psalm. The approbation for this psalm is to the choir master, to Yedutun, a psalm of David. What does Yedutun mean? Well, we don't know for sure. We do know this is the name of a man who was one of the Levitical singers. And you find him mentioned several places in Scripture, but uh, you can look at First Chronicles 16.41, and he's referred to there. Um, but whether he was alive at the time that David is writing this or what the relationship was, we don't know. It could be Yadutun had... Uh, composed a melody to which David is setting these lyrics. Uh, it could also be Yadutun is the name of an instrument that uh, this is to be played upon. There are other ideas about what this word means, so whether it's being used as a name or as something else. We just simply don't know. So I'm not going to conjecture any further on that. But as we get into the psalm, in the first six verses we read this. Now remember, in chapter 38, Psalm 38, David has gone through and expressed all this terrible grief he's going through and pain and loneliness and rejection. 
And now you can tell he's peeling back a layer, looking a little deeper, like, how do I respond to this? So his first response is, well, I'm just not going to talk. I'm just going to be quiet. I'm just going to be still. It's almost as if he's going to give God the silent treatment. And it doesn't work. He said, I said, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle so long as the wicked one is before me. I was mute and silent. I held my peace to no avail. And my pain grew worse. My heart became hot within me. As I mused, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. You know, I have to kind of chuckle at this because there are times I've <laughs> decided in my life, I'm just not going to talk. And then my heart begins to burn. And the more I'm determined, I'm not going to say anything. And finally, boom, it comes out. And uh, this is usually not a good thing, but it is a very human thing. And it's something that David expresses here in a, in a very poetic way. So what does he say? He finally explodes with speech. And he says, Adonai, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths. A handbreadth is about the smallest measurement in the Bible. It's uh, the width of four fingers. And he's saying, you've, you've just measured up my days in these little tiny increments. There's hardly anything at all to the, the span of my life here on earth. Uh, let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. It is but for futility they are in turmoil. A man amasses, and what is implied here is he amasses riches or wealth and does not know who will gather them. What David seems to be doing here is he's in this pain that continues just to go on and on and on with no end in sight. And he just can hardly stand it any longer. And it, there's this frustration like, well, God, if this is what my life's supposed to be until the day I die, then just kill me now. What is the use of spending more time just wallowing in pain? On the other hand, if you do have purpose for me, if you're not finished with me, then bring this pain to an end, bring this silence and this suffering to an end so that I can get on with the work you have for me. But right now, life seems utterly pointless and futile. What's the purpose? And, um, and I think it's important we sometimes ask these questions, not that God will ever answer them. But what is the purpose of the pain? I said before, there's a hint given us in this Hebrew word. And again, this is my own conjecture. You can take it or leave it. But in the word for pain that he uses here, it's a word that's not used very often for pain. Uh, the main word used in Hebrew for pain is etziv. And it's used, I think, close to 100 times in the Bible. But this word for pain is only used uh, a, a very just a handful of times. Uh, it's only found twice in the book of Psalms. This is the first one. It's found over in 69:29. But this is what the word looks like in Hebrew. It's kaf aleph bet. 
Now, if you know any Hebrew at all, you know that Aleph Bet spells the word Av, which means father. And whenever you put the letter Kaf in front of a noun or a pronoun, it means like. So, Ka'av literally means like the father. If someone were to just show a Hebrew reader this word by itself and say, what does this mean? They'd probably say, like father or like the father. But in the context, we can say, oh, that's the word ka'av. It's a rare word in the Bible and it means pain. And this is the hint. You probably have caught it already. I know that in my own life, God has allowed me to go through pain not always to punish me, though that has happened as well, not just to discipline me and to correct me, but to make me more like him. Sometimes God privileges us to experience rejection and misunderstanding and pain and even persecution so that he allows us to get a glimpse into his own heart and how he has been treated. He allows us to experience what he experiences. And so instead of thinking, oh, how unfair this is, I'm being treated this way, change that. Life isn't fair. And Yeshua promised us that if we live righteous lives, we follow him, and if they mistreated him, they're going to mistreat us as students, his followers. And if people reject God, they're going to reject his children as well, you and me. So I want you to think about this. The next time you go through pain, and the pain doesn't seem to have a purpose, maybe the purpose is to make you ka'av, like the Father. And you know, a father and a mother, for that matter, when their child is, is sick, is crying, you can't get any sleep, you suffer for the sake of your child. You enter into pain, the pain of sleeplessness, the pain of, of maybe worry and anxiety over, is my child ill? There's a, what's wrong? I can't figure it out. And as parents, we just automatically experience pain because of our children. But sometimes as we grow and mature spiritually, God allows us, the children, to experience pain so we can become more like Him. I'm going to leave it right there, let you think about it, and see if this applies to you at all. Now you'll notice here that the word for breath and the word futility I've put in kind of a, a green font. That's because these are both the same word in Hebrew. It's the word hevel. Hevel is the word that uh, is used um, almost, it's used almost 90 times in the Hebrew Bible. And about half of those are in the book of Ecclesiastes. In fact, in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 2, it's used five times in that one verse where it says, vanity of vanities, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Five times hevel is used. It just means like a, a puff of breath, a bit of vapor, a bit of nothingness. And that is the word being used here in Psalm 39, hevel. So mankind stands as a mere hevel. Surely man goes about as a shadow, is but for 
futility or vanity or just just emptiness. They are in turmoil. And of course, he's, he's speaking here, David's speaking here the way Solomon does in the book of Ecclesiastes. But this is not a verse you quote and say, this is the way things are. No, David is saying this because this is the way things appear. But as we get on into chapter 40, and Psalm 40 and 41, we begin to see what lies behind the imagery, what lies behind mere appearance. You know, in this world, this physical world, this is the 1% world. The spiritual world is the 99% world. This is like just 1% of reality that we experience here. And here, things just aren't very real, though they can be very painful. Here, they're not, they don't endure. They're not permanent. And uh, things here are fleeting. They pass away so quickly. But this isn't the real world. This is the world under the sun. But the real world is the world beyond the sun, beyond the physical, the place where we will spend eternity. So let's move on. Verses 7 through 11. And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the scorn of the fool. I was mute. I did not open my mouth. For it was you who did it. Remove your stroke from me. I am spent by the hostility of your hand. When you discipline a man with rebukes for sin, you consume like a moth what is dear to him. Surely all mankind is a mere breath. You can tell through this that David is just groping around to find some kind of meaning for his pain. And he's not very successful at it. Because sometimes part of the pain is the inability to find meaning in it. I think we can go through almost anything if we know why we're going through it. What happens when you're going through something and you can't figure out why you're going through it? That seems to give the pain no purpose. It seems like wasted pain. And that's the most painful kind of pain there is. But this word for hope is a very unusual word. There are different words for hope and for waiting and for expectation in the scriptures, but this is a, a very unusual one. The word that's used here is the word Tochelet, there you see it. Tochelet. It means hope or expectation. And uh, this word is found uh, in Proverbs 13, 12. Tochelet, or hope deferred, makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. But it's not a word you use very often. Now, again, if you are a Hebrew reader or you're familiar with the Hebrew prayers and the liturgy, this word tokhelet sounds a lot like another word that we hear often, and that's the word tokhelet. You can see they're spelled similarly. The first letter and the last two letters of each word are identical. But tokhelet is the word for blue, and we put a thread of tokhelet on the zitzits, the tassels on the four corners of the garment of our prayer shawls. And that blue thread of tehillet is to remind us 
that we're not to explore after our eyes or after our hearts. But the tekelet, the blue thread, which hangs down at the bottom, is to remind us of what's above. Because it's supposed to be the same shade of blue as the sky. And God says, when you see this, when you gaze at it, you will not explore after your, your eyes and after your heart. These things make us go astray. So even when we forget to look up or we look down, God says, you have those threads there. When you see them, you remember what's above you. When you are looking down the dirt of this 1% realm, you'll remember the 99% realm that is above you. And so I don't think this is a mistake. I don't think it's just a, um, a coincidence that these two words are so very similar. But when we think of tochelet in this way, and now, O oh Lord, for what do I wait? My tochelet is in you. It's like in this dark psalm, there's a little tiny beam of light, a little spark. And he's saying, I'm going to hope in you. Right now, all I see is the 1% realm, but there's this little thread, a little tiny blue thread, just the merest next to nothing. It reminds me of the world above. And then the psalm closes with verses 12 and 13. Hear my prayer, Adonai, and give ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears, for I am a sojourner with you, a guest like all my fathers. Look away from me that I may smile. In other words, quit glaring at me, you know. <laughs> You can look intensely at something because you love it so much. You just, you know, like a, a newborn child. Also, when your kids act up and they misbehave, you can really look at them intently as well. But those two kinds of gazes are very different. And David's almost saying, like, quit glaring at me. Quit looking at me like this. You know, in the scriptures, you find uh, where God will will raise his eyes upon someone, and that's a good thing. In other place, places, where he, he raises his face upon someone, and it's a bad thing. It's a very unpleasant thing. So um, when God gazes, let's make sure he's gazing at us out of love and appreciation and, and out of joy in what we've done, not because he's um, really given us the, well, I was going to say the stink eye, but I'm not going to say that. But sometimes we do get the stink eye where we deserve to be glared at. And he's like, knock it off. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm the only one who's ever experienced that. But this word uh, is translated, uh, look away from me that I may smile. Um, but a couple translators that I respect translate it, catch my breath. It's like, just look away for a moment. Quit just glaring at me. Let me catch my breath because I, I can't endure this much longer. Look away from me that I may smile or catch my breath again before I depart and am no more. And God's response, silence. So chapter 38, David's pouring out all of his pain, expressing all the things he's going through, and God's quiet. And now in Psalm 39, he says, okay, I'm just not going to talk anymore. God's still silent. 
So finally his heart heats up and he burst out in speech. God is still silent. And then he starts asking, what's the purpose of my life? If this is the way it's going to be, just pain and emptiness and, and loneliness, then just bring my life to an end. God's still silent. Well, if you're not done with me, then show me the purpose of this. Take this away. God is still silent. Well, things turn around in Psalm 40. And I encourage you to read ahead to Psalm 40. One, one of the uh, many people's favorite psalms of all 150, Psalm 40 is the favorite of many. And, um, and in Psalm 40, in the last half, then over in Psalm 41, we see things have turned around and David is looking back over this experience. And he reiterates a number of things. But he's seen purpose. And he's seen that God has matured him and stretched him and, and grown him. So, uh, so the good news, God does speak. God does come to the rescue. But oh my goodness, it felt to David like it would never happen. Maybe this is where you're at right now. Just hold in there. Just hold in there. And um, have tochelet. Have hope that the God who tells us to put tochelet on the four corners of our garments to remind us that he is still on his throne. He's still in control. Things are going according to plan. And he has you right here. So you have to hang on to that and just wait, which is the hardest thing in the world for me to do. Maybe you too. But just wait. Just hope in him and you won't be disappointed. So I hope this psalm encourages you. And again, when you read this psalm, read 38 and 40 and 41 along with it. The four go together and give you like um, the four legs of the table. And uh, I hope this will be an encouragement to you and a blessing. And I look forward so much to coming back and speaking with you again in Psalm 40. So until then, I wish you shalom and may God bless. Thank you for joining us for today's teaching. If the work of Torah Today Ministries has touched your life, please consider making a donation or sponsoring an upcoming video. As a video sponsor, you'll have an exclusive opportunity to memorialize a family member, celebrate a special event, or simply support the ongoing creation of similar content. Your tax-deductible contribution helps ensure that our teachings continue to reach all who are longing for truth. Click the link or visit our website to learn more. That's all, folks.